Apple unveiled two new MacBooks and a Mac Mini powered by its own custom design chip, the M1. What does that mean for the future of Macs and computing in general? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is CNET Editor-at-Large, Ian Schur, who's had a very extra busy fall, three events in three months. How are you holding up? Uh, I, I feel very uh, eventful about it. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's been okay. It's been... It's interesting. We've been talking on Slack about this as a group, and uh, we've debated about whether or not it's better that Apple's having uh, one big event like it normally would or having these smaller events. I mean, this one was 45 minutes nearly to the mark, which is really short, but really great. Like we exactly know what to talk about. It was it was just pushing on through. There were a couple of jokes that kept us entertained. It wasn't too bad. Yes, as journalists, we definitely appreciate the conciseness of it all. So let's let's get into the news. Uh, we we saw a new MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and Mac Mini. Tell us why they're different. Well, uh, if you look at them, they don't look different practically at all. They look like the same things Apple's been selling. And if you look at the price, other than the Mac Mini, they're all the same price. The Mac Mini is a little cheaper. But inside is a chip that Apple made that is acting as the brains of the computer, the microprocessor. And this is a key thing for nerds like you and me, Roger, because that means that Apple is switching away from Intel, which is uh, used to be the world's largest uh, chip maker, and they are actually starting to use chips they made instead. This is upsetting an entire power dynamic in the PC industry. And even though Apple only represents like 7% of the market, it is one of those things where Apple's a trendsetter and it might push the whole industry to change, which would be really fascinating. Yeah, we've we've seen this before with some PCs. They're basically using, they're what's known as ARM chips, right? These are the types of chips that uh, power the iPhone, power the iPad, which Apple already kind of designs on its own. We've seen similar ARM chips or processors made by Qualcomm powering PCs over the last two generations or so, but they haven't really been popular. They haven't really lived up to the hype of having more battery life uh, and, and you know, run as fast as, say, an Intel processor. Why, why do you think you know, Apple might have a better shot at making an, you know, an ARM-based Apple MacBook that you know, meets a lot of the, the hype around this idea? Yeah, I think it's important to think back to what those computers were like, because uh, probably the best example was the Surface RT, which Microsoft would prefer you forget. But it was this laptop hybrid tablet thing that they that they released. What was it back in 2012? I think if I'm right. And it was running on an ARM chip. It was competing against another Surface laptop they made that was running on an Intel chip. Stop me if you're already confused. And it didn't run all the same apps on Windows as the Intel thing. So, of course, it ended up being a complete disaster. It was one of Microsoft's biggest whiffs ever. They ended up taking a huge financial hit because a ton of them were sitting in a warehouse somewhere. And it just turned into a mess. So a lot of people tried, but they really kind of they they, they just kind of dipped their toes. They didn't really go whole hog. And what's different with Apple is that they are going whole hog. They are saying, we are going to be transitioning away from Intel. We're using our own chips. In two years, you're not buying a Mac that runs an Intel chip. And by the way, we've completely rewritten our our software to run on it. 
We've we've written rewritten all of our apps to run on it. We've made it so that apps that aren't made to run on it will run on it. And basically, they're promising that when you buy a ARM based chip from them in a week when they come out, you are not going to be able to basically tell the difference. In fact, they'll be faster and they'll have better battery life, which we will have to test because that is a big claim on its own. But I, th- I think it's really fascinating that they're doing that. Yeah, let's let's kind of dig into those stats. I mean, talk a little bit about performance and battery life. Like, what were some of the claims that Apple made? And we want to make sure we're clear that these are claims right now. We haven't tested them yet. We just saw these things being unveiled, um, so we haven't vetted it. But what exactly is Apple promising with these Apple Silicon-based Macs? Yeah, if you look at my tweets over the event, uh, which of course we have on CNET, I uh, at one point pointed out this 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 chart that Apple put uh, up, which had no data points at all. It was just these these kind of logarithmic things. It was kind of funny. But this is what a lot of the chip makers do. So they say that their computers are something like two to three or even more times faster than the same competing computer, similar competing computer in the same price range as their devices. Um, Or they're also saying that they are able to beat out the most popular computers that are sold uh, that they're competing against with laptops. Now, the problem here is that most PCs are much cheaper. They're running lesser quality chips. So we don't actually know whether they're better. And then they say that that their graphics chips, which most of us get our graphics chips from AMD or from NVIDIA, they say those are going to be really better than a lot of the stuff that's out there. And in the end, they say that they're offering some of the most performant computers you can buy in those price ranges, which, again, huge claim. Yeah, I noticed there were a lot of world's best, world's strongest, world's most powerful in terms of the cores, the graphics. Keep in mind, a lot of the times when they were making those claims, it felt like they were comparing it to their own benchmark. Like, this is our fastest chip ever. I'm like, well, you've only made chips for iPhones and iPads. So yeah, it better be faster. Um, And there wasn't a lot of, you know, cross comparison. They didn't really compare it to Intel benchmarks. Um, That said, like, are you, is is this something that folks looking for a new Mac should be putting in their calculus? Should they, should they still stick with an Intel based Mac right now to be safe because that runs those traditional apps that you're used to like Photoshop or Microsoft Word? Or should they take a flyer on these new Apple Silicon based Macs? Easy answer. Wait till you read the CNET review. But <laughs> excellent <laughs> answer. Punting it down the week. The no, best but answer. I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think that if you're going to stay in Apple world, right, you are a faithful sticking to it no matter what you want to get with the future, right? The idea that you are going to buy basically a device that is going to be out of date, like really out of date within a couple of years is a bad idea. I'm using a MacBook Air today that was made in 2012, all right? Eight years. You're not going to be able to hold on to an Intel Mac that you buy today for eight years and keep getting software updates. So in in my world, I would think, you know, if I'm holding on to my next laptop, even partially that long, I, I want to make sure that I'm on the latest chips. And especially if Apple's making this move, at some point, they're just going to cut loose and they're going to say sayonara to the old stuff and they're going to be all on the new stuff. And at that point, you're you're off uh, on your own. So 
get the newer ones if you're going to stick with it or wait till the CNET review. I, yeah, I would say also, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, amongst us CNETers. Uh, these these new Macs are essentially the same. You said this at the beginning, right? They are pretty much, you, you couldn't tell that they were running a new silicon. And I think that's partially the fact that it's, it's a generation one device. Uh, I would say if you were keen on one of these, it might be worth waiting another generation to see how they can actually squeeze out the performance or introduce actual big changes to those to the MacBook or the MacBook Pro. Yeah, one of my really good friends uh, who doesn't buy an iPhone every year, right? And I have I have a few people I know who don't buy new phones every year. Um, they, you know, this person actually only buys iPhones on the and on the talk years, right? So there's a tick and there's a talk. So on the tick, you've got the new iPhone 10, and then on the talk, you have the 10s. And he always chooses the S years because he feels like, look, you know, they're going to be refined. They're going to be better. Oftentimes with the S is when you get actually new technologies. The fingerprint sensor came in the 5S. So it's those types of things that you that he likes to go for. And there's a general belief that you should never buy a first generation anything unless you want to live on the bleeding edge. There's always refinements that need to be happening, especially when this is a brand new thing, like completely new. And inside it basically is. Apple needs to work out a ton of kinks in its manufacturing, even if it works. So it's always a good idea to wait unless you're a super nerd like me. Well, one of the big deals that they they touted back at WWC was the fact that because this is all in the same architecture as the, the chips running iPhones and iPads, you'd be able to run iOS apps on your Mac uh, pretty seamlessly. Surprisingly, they didn't mention a lot of that today. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on uh, why they downplayed it or, or maybe that's not a big, as big a deal as we think. I think Apple's trying to to go along this really tight line where they say, you know, Apple's always had a problem with apps on their platform, right? There, you know, a lot of developers out there have gotten a lot better about releasing apps for Mac computers, but especially as the world's become more internet-centric, it really almost doesn't matter. You just go to a website. But a lot of the things Apple's always struggled with is that there are some apps that just don't exist on Mac. And so them focusing on, no, the Mac apps you love will work was a lot more important than saying, hey, we can run iPhone and iPad apps. Isn't that great for this thousand dollar computer you paid for? So I think that's that's what they're they're kind of trying to walk that line. I also wonder if right now, you know, it's cute. You can run an iPhone app and an iPad app in your Mac. Wonderful. I, I have like one example where I'm going to do that. The rest of the time, it's not going to be really great because it's meant for your fingers and there's no touchscreen on the Macs. I wonder if at some point that's going to change, right? And that we're going to get kind of this Nirvana device, which we, you know, I have in my head now of a uh, laptop that you tear the screen off the keyboard and it turns into an iPad and you put it back on and it's a Mac again. That would be super cool. And since they run the same chips, why not? Uh, so Apple, you you can thank me for that idea. I'm sure you already thought of it. But the bottom line is, I think that's also why they aren't talking about it, is that it's not really a great experience yet, right? It's probably going to be actually a really terrible experience, and it's just going to be something you do once or twice. Uh, so we'll see, right? I think they have to figure out exactly how to position this, or they have my Nirvana device sitting in the back somewhere, and they're going to eventually show it off and charge me a ton of money for it.
I'm sure it's it's sitting there right now. It's at, it's on <laughs> Tim Cook's desk. Frankly. Right. It was actually hiding there the whole time exactly. during the event. In plain sight. <laughs> um, wanted wanted to get a little geeky because let's talk a little bit about the specs because we're looking at the the specs between the difference between the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and the Mac Mini, and they actually all use the M1 processor. They all use the same processor, essentially the same amount of uh, GPU RAM. The, the options for RAM and storage are essentially the same. Why would you want to get, say, I understand the Mac Mini is its own kind of, it, it has its own purpose, but between the MacBook Pro, which is, I think, $200 more expensive, why would you get that versus the MacBook Air? Unless you really love the touch bar. Right. I mean, Let's Stephen Shankland, right? He is the king of the touch bar. He wrote a story on CNET about that, by the he way. He defended and I still the touch bar. He still defends the touch bar. Um, <laughs> and he's wrong, but that's okay. People are allowed to be. Um, so the thing is that I think what's, uh, what, what really stands apart between the, the air and the pro is how much graphics capability there is. So, uh, if you, if you look really closely, it appears as though, and again, again, we haven't reviewed these things. It's entirely news. So Lord only knows whether this is actually meaningful, but supposedly it seems as though Apple put a lot more graphics capability in the pros than the minis, which is also probably why they have a fan in the Pro, but not in the Airs, right? The the I, uh, the MacBook Airs don't have a fan at all. Supposedly, they run cool, which would be super cool. Um, but the, the Pros are meant to kind of do that heavy uh, tasks, right? We're talking about video editing. We're talking about probably playing intense games, although there aren't really many games on the Mac. Um, so I'm, I, I am curious myself to see what the difference becomes, but I, I think people who who are pro users, and you know, we're talking about creative people. We're talking about people who live in Adobe Suite. We're talking about people who are you know who are designing stuff. They're going to want that thing, and then everyone else is probably going to be on the air. Which is, I mean, I'm a writer. I'm, I mostly can live with the air. And uh, you know, this goes to your goes back to your point about the Nirvana device, uh, but. Getting everything under the same platform. I mean, are we getting close to like a unified operating system, or are we, or is Apple going to just continue doing this thing where they've got three different forked or four different forked versions of their OS? Right, they've got iPad OS, Mac OS, iOS, uh, or at some point, are we going to see them actually converge into this this kind of one unified operating system? I'm really curious to see. I would argue, on some level. Uh, especially me from five years in the future will probably argue at this moment that they are on a unified operating system, right? The, the, the really funny part about this whole debate, which is like in very small corners of the Apple world, <laughs> but this, you know, the idea that, you know, the iPhone, the iPad and the Mac running the same software, they're all based on the same software. And uh, Apple, you know, they, when they announced the first iPhone, they were saying, hey, it runs our computer software. Isn't that amazing? And uh, now that they all run the same apps, essentially, I think what's ultimately going to happen is I was mentioning with that Nirvana device is that it's really about the screen size and the, the experience you have, right? If I'm using a touch device, I want a touch screen. But if I'm not using a touch device, I have a keyboard and mouse, I don't want that interface. It's bad for it. So I think Apple's going to keep those different interfaces 
but they're going to refine them, right? They're going to make them better for the keyboard and the mouse. They're going to be different, but they're going to run the same apps and it'll have the touch uh, experience, which again, will be different because it has to be. And this is something that Microsoft has learned the hard way, right? They've got uh, Windows, they created touchscreen laptops, but the touch experience is pretty bad. And the times that people have tried to create touch-based apps for the Windows laptops, not that great. Most of the time people are using a stylus, which Apple has always said they hate. So I, I think it's gonna be until they created with the Apple Pen, of course, for the iPad. Then it would then it was perfect and it came from God. But the thing is that I think Apple's gonna wait a long time before they really make that case. And at that point, they'll have probably a touchscreen Mac, at which point they'll say, Oh yeah, we we railed against touchscreens on computers forever, but now that we've done it, it's perfect. All right. Well that that um that grand vision of where things going is, is a good place to end it. Thank you for your time, Ian. You can check out all of our Apple Mac coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Oh, and happy World Science Day for peace and development. If there's ever a time when we need to embrace science, it's now. The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.